This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuned in to the new TNN. And now, the new TNN presents WCW Must Die, starring Conan. Go play with yourself. Samurai Cop. Who's got the mace? Buff Bagwell. Yeah, my whole life is pretty much a show. Franchise Shane Douglas. <laughs> you just got your ass franchised. David Arquette. I was the heavyweight champion of the world. Mike Awesome. Yeah, a crippled canyon. Canyon? Yeah, I got thrown off that cage. And it hurt. Terry Funk. Oh, Blue! Daddy's coming home! Chris Candido. But there's no Macho Man! Tammy. How about I show you mine, and you owe me one? Mike Tanay. Show us, Tammy! Vampiro. Yeah, you know, Steve. The actor. Big T. The juice. Indistinct! Mean Gene Oakland. Someone find me Eric Bischoff. DDP. Yo, turn the camera off, monkey. Scott Hudson. It's at the top of the hour, Tony. For Pete's sake! David Flair. This is Champ's room. Andrew McCarthy. Vincent. I've got an idea, Vincent. Norman Smiley. This is my business. The cat. May I please have your attention, please? Lex Luger. Come on, two more. Total package style. Jeff Jarrett. Who died and made you Commissioner Slappy? Tony Schiavone. The greatest athlete in the history of our sport. It's Sting! Mark Madden. I was wrong. I apologize. Sting. The actor. I feel like bumpin', stompin', graveyard destruction! Rick Fleer as Rick Flair. Not your dad! Eric Bischoff. What's the matter, Sid? Can't find your scissors? I said, what's the matter, Sid? Can't find your scissors? Hulk Hogan. Terry Bollea. The NB stands for New Blood, and I'm taking care of Bolea, dude. Kevin Nash. Hey, kid. Is your mom home? I mean, look at the adjective. Mom. Vince Russo. That dirty, stinking, shock-infested creek. You keep your hands to yourself, young lady. I... Am the Batman! Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the ongoing conflict between the New Blood and the Millionaire's Club continues here on WCW Must Die, available exclusively on the new TNN. My name is Johnny C., the host of WCW Must Die, as well as everything else you listen to on this feed. Uh, welcome. Uh, it's episode 19 of WW Must Die. We are just one episode away from a massive milestone. The fucking drag between 
Slamboree 2000 and the Great American Bash 2000 has been insane. This 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 show was canceled, reborn, recanceled, and reborn again between Slamboree and the Great American Bash. I mean, holy shit, that's that's insanity. Uh, but I, I've been waiting for the Great American Bash. I'm so excited to get there, but in order to do so, we have to tackle the June 7th, year 2000 edition of WCW Thunder. Now, if you are a longtime fan of WCW Must Die, you will already know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Nitro. Nitro is a clusterfuck. I mean, the whole thing's a clusterfuck, but Thunder is a thunderfuck. Uh, WCW Thunder is the gift that keeps giving, okay? I always said that about Kevin Nash, and I say about a lot of things, but I love Thunder. It is a controlled frenzy of taped chaos that's a lot easier to take notes for than a live Nitro because it is taped, but also, on Thunder, you usually get to see the lesser-tiered stars. You might you might get a wild Chris Candido appearance, you, you know, and things like that. So, I just... I'm so happy to be bringing you Thunder. It's nice to be back in the saddle again for Thunder. Uh, Speaking of saddles, this show takes place from Knoxville, Tennessee, where I'm sure people ride horses. I I don't know. It's Tennessee. Fucking insert it. I'm sure there's a better joke, but I said saddle. Deal with it. We start, as most editions of Thunder do, with a recap of the events of Monday Nitro, which can be heard all about in WW Must Die, Episode 18. Attack! Liquid. Uh, unlike other aspects of WCW Thunder, this recap video is scored to broke-ass Mortal Kombat. It's like... Avoiding copyrights. Avoiding copyrights. Avoiding copyrights. Avoiding copyrights. We see Jeff Jarrett and Sting, their saga. Uh, Kevin Nash runs the New Blood Gauntlet. Goldberg defeats the Pit Fighter, Tank Abbott. And then Goldberg is suspended for helping Nash in the New Blood Gauntlet. I almost said the New Gut Gauntlet. Would anyone have noticed? But we start new footage, live, via tape, in the parking garage as a large black limousine pulls up. Who could possibly be in this limo? Well, it's black, so probably a bad guy. You know, because the white hat, black hat, that, that's all I'm talking about. You know, uh, clearly somebody with the brains writing this show, all right? You think the WWE is going to take the time to put the bad guy in a black limousine? No. They don't think about that because they're bookers. I'm a writer. Uh, who is here? Well, it's three old white guys and the reigning, defending, hardcore champion without his title belt. Ladies and gentlemen, Easy E, Eric Bischoff. And let me ask you this. If when you start talking about Eric Bischoff, do you do what I'm doing right now? Do you pound on your own chest like oh God, Eric, it's good to see you. I, I love you. I love you. Now these three old white men, who are they? Well, I don't know yet. But I will tell you, the last guy, the last old white guy looks like a dead rigger for disgraced New York mayor. Rudy Giuliani, so that's kind of fun. Tony Schiavone, of course, wants some answers as well, but he's also impressed by the visual display in front of him and says, 
Would you look at the suits and the cases? Yes, the old men do all have Halliburton's, baby. Now, uh, this also tells me that these old white men are important because they have briefcases and they're wearing suits. And Tony was right to point it out. We then cut to what is traditionally the longest opening in sports entertainment-based history for WCW Thunder. I swear, this thing goes on for a minute, and then they start counting down. Turn. Nine. And you're like, oh my god, are they going to go all the way? And they do. This intro is so long. We all know, with the advent of streaming over-the-top-based technology, that a lot of times, you know, when the opening credits to a TV show starts, you get the little skip button. Would you like to skip the opening credits? Which, of course, bums me out because the people that created whatever show you're watching didn't intend for you to skip the opening credits. Even, like, The Mandalorian has it. And their opening credits are... And that's right in. But to tell you how long this is, the skip intro button doesn't show up until about... 15 to 20 seconds into the opening video. It's insane. This is, like I mentioned, the go-home show for the Great American Bash on commentary. We're joined by our very unique Thunder team. Hudson and Madden are out for just for Thunder. And replaced by, of course, Tony Schiavone, Bobby, the disinterested Heaton, and that goddamn restater, beta by existence, Mike Canay. Oh, you know, I love to hate today. And again, I, I hate to, I, I'm not trying to overuse my cliches, but he continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. Now, Eric Bischoff and his contingent of important white dudes arrive from the backstage area and start walking down the aisle. Um, Well, they do walk, but I swear to you, at one point, Eric breaks into the little airplane walk where he stretches his arms out like a big boy and he's like, wee. <laughs> he's taking this, you know, and after, you know, as he's doing the airplane walk, he's talking to the people in the crowd. He's like, you know, did you guys know I'm a pilot? I love you, but I love the fucking friendly skies, too. You just, you ever have a beer and just fly? But he really does do the airplane walk. Uh, Tony, Shivani, that is, hypes up. Perhaps there are only four days remaining until the end of the careers of Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. He's like, putting over the bash really hard. He's like, Flair and Hogan, their careers might end a human torch match, and there's going to be all sorts of other encounters, the world title as well, Nash and Jeff Jarrett, it's going to be the Great American Bash. Um, brain, what else do we have this weekend? So he puts Bobby right on the spot. And Bobby gives a classic, I don't give a fuck, it is a correct answer, but it's also indicative of the fact that I don't know what's going on. And guess what, Tony? I don't care! Tony states, we have the Great American Bash this weekend, and I'll tell you something, the Mainers Club is in trouble. Bischoff and Russo, with the new blood, are going to take them all out, one at a time. So, it is correct information, because that is the overall theme of the ongoing narrative that has been WCW since April, but it's also not specific at all. I, I burped. I'm sorry. <laughs> I swallowed some air. You know what? I should probably cut that, because uh, it's gross. So, 
No, I love it. Hold on. You got you to gotta create a blank space in the audio so you know when to cut. No, I love this answer. It is ridiculous. It is so specific to the overall narrative of the conflict, but lacks any specific specificities to what we're going to actually see at the show. Oh, it's delicious, disinterested Bobby the Brain Heated. <sighs> of course, Tanae has to chime in. And they'll have that opportunity at the Great American Bash, also four days away from the announcement that'll change sports entertainment forever. Will it be bigger than Hogan in 1994? Or uh, Eric Bischoff bringing wrestling to primetime on TBS and TNT? Well, I don't know, Mike, but actually those were interesting, unique points. I'll be damned. (laughs) Eric has the microphone, as usual, and he's completely overwhelmed with the love that he's feeling in the building. You guys... I, I love all of you. I don't think it's mutual. Now, Eric has some important announcements to give us this evening on Thunder. His legal staff is here to make sure that his announcements are legally accurate and he makes no mistakes. So that explains the white guys. Here are the three things. Number one, there is so much speculation to Eric's big announcement at the Great American Bash. Well... It'll be big. And not to overhype it. Way beyond that now, adds in Tony. It will be the best damn move I've ever made. And nobody can stop me. Point number two. Eric was super clear on Nitro what would happen to Bill Goldberg uh, if Bill Goldberg interfered in any, quote, new blood business. Now, the lawyers are out here. So I would argue the phrase new blood business is vague and ill-defined, but I'm not a lawyer, but these white guys are nodding their heads in agreements. Uh, And, and, you know, Bill, Bill, I, I, I really respect you. I've got lawyers. You've got lawyers. Henry Holmes is a good guy. But starting right now, you're suspended for 90 days without pay. Now, Tony is appalled. He's like, no money. Goldberg's not going to have any money. Today adds, well, it isn't about the money. Well, when you're taking the money and making money, it's not about money. But when you're losing it, it is about the money. Well, someone show me the money, I guess. Uh, point number three. And, and, and he makes it very clear. Well, one and two were important. Point number three is the most important. So everybody settle down. Settle down. If I could just, I just want to make sure you're listening. Settle down. Based on the events of Nitro, a.k.a. uh, Jeff Jarrett getting a guitar smashed over his head and being lightly pushed off of the ramp by Sting. Not even as like an assault. He just pushed, he just like pushed him and fell because Sting wanted to get, get back to the fucking backstage area. Jeff Jarrett is super injured and will not be able to wrestle at the Great American Bash. But he is a very brave man and he would like for Jeff Jarrett to join us here. Now, the Cho Cho Choden one. Indeed, here comes Jeff Jarrett. Now, folks, Jeff Jarrett has a unique look for this evening. Uh, he comes out down the aisle wearing a neck brace. Of course, I mean, the neck brace is the classic I'm injured look. 
But he also has a full leg cast on his left leg. So he's walking very slow. And he's got one of those, like, super arm slings where it connects to, like, your neck and you can't move your arm. It's like a hard metal cast thing. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, Well, I just did, so deal with that. And, of course, shades of George Costanza when he worked at Play Now, he does have a cane. He kind of looks like Ernest P. Whirl trying to sneak into a hospital. Like, oh, geez, Vern. Oh, I'm really hurt. Can't you tell? Can I get in this hospital so I can do the thing I'm supposed to do, Vern? Oh, Santa Claus is in there. I got to save Christmas, Vern. Come on, let me into this hospital, Vern. He's flanked by two sexy nurses. And by that, I mean, like, local strippers in, I mean, think, think of a nurse Halloween costume. There you go. That's what they look like. They even have the little caps made out of paper. It's cute. Uh, Russo and Bischoff security here as well, led as always by Samurai Cup. Now, Dr. Tony Schiavone views Jeff Jarrett, and I think he's aware, as we all are, that this is some sort of a cunning ruse. But Schiavone starts laying it on very, very thick. Well, Jeff Jarrett clearly in a lot of pain. Looks like it could be a broken leg, some ripped ligaments maybe. I don't know, maybe he had shoulder surgery, some spinal injuries, C3, C4, 5, 6, 7, fans, I don't know. Now, Tony Schiavone's not the only one really laying thick into this. As Jarrett is helped into the ring, into the ring by four people, because they have to, like, hold down the ropes and, like, lift his leg for him, the three individuals that have been cast as Eric Bischoff's lawyers are desperately trying to earn a Screen Actors Guild card here because they're really nodding their head in agreement and reacting to Jeff Jarrett viscerally like, oh, look at him. Let's clap for him. Oh, he's in so much pain. He's a real big trooper. We're lawyers. <laughs> I promise. Um, Bobby the Braid Heated catches wind of this and says, look at the attorneys talking back and forth. These guys are heavyweights. <laughs> Oh, like, I like the idea that Bobby is uh, impressed by the lawyers talking to each other, seeing a man with all these injuries, like, hey, we can make a lot of money off of this guy. He's injured, and we're lawyers. Jeff Jarrett does look like he's having a lot of fun here and trying to hold in laughter, and that brings me into it, because that this is this is fun. I, I, I mean, it's dumb, it's obvious, but this is fun. Because if Jarrett had just come out in a neck brace... It's like, all right, but but the over-the-top nature of it really, really makes it entertaining, and I, and I like that. He goes to give a very somber speech. <laughs> he starts with words that should be immortalized. I know my millions of slap nuts are very disappointed. Millions of slap nuts! <laughs> you know, Sting, pinning a man is one thing, uh, but taking his livelihood is quite another Jarrett goes on to apologize to all WWE fans, Eric Bischoff, and of course, since he won't be able to wrestle at the Great American Bash, uh, I just really want to apologize to Kevin Nash. Oh! Bum, bum, well, looks like the executioner is on his way to the ring, so Jarrett can apologize in person. Uh, the executioner. Large, attractive Kevin Nash, by the way, uh, carrying his patented baseball bat. Well, I, I, okay, it's just a baseball bat. Uh, he is wearing his patented red FUBU jersey, though. So there you go. That is patented. 
Eric Bischoff, upon seeing Nash come down the aisle, goes to talk to the lawyers, and Bischoff's pointing, like, hey, lawyers, that's the guy. That's the guy right there we've been talking about. And the lawyers are, like, nodding, like, oh, yes, I see. I'm an actor. Give me an actor card, please. Give me some money. I need health benefits. Nash has a microphone, per usual. Yeah. Hey, yo, Jeff. I'm sorry, too, bro. I'm sorry, because I really wanted to beat your ass at the Great American Bash. I know. I know, Kevin. And I'm sorry. But, you know, we can have the match somewhere along the road. And, and you can bring the bat, too, Kev. <laughs> what? Like, this really happens, Jeff. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. We'll wrestle someday. And you know what? You can bring your bat, too, if you want to, to that match. Because I owe you one. Because you had a hard day, slugger. Like, I don't understand this. I think, though, he's queuing up Nash's line. Because Nash says, Oh, yeah, I brought this bat down here for a specific reason. Jeff, I'm going to take your temperature. Nash, then grabs Jeff Jarrett and starts to very poorly, disinterestedly beat down on Jeff Jarrett's injuries and rips off Jeff's neck brace. Once the neck brace comes off, Nash stands there holding Jeff Jarrett and does nothing. A moment passes, still holding Jeff Jarrett, still holding the baseball bat. He does nothing. He continues to do nothing. Oh! Oh, hey, hey, everybody out here in the ring, you guys paid attention. I forgot to drop the bat. Let me just do that real quick. Kevin Nash drops the bat and starts punching Jeff Jarrett with his formerly bat-holding hand. Eric Bischoff grabs the bat. Oh, so that's what we were waiting. Okay. <laughs> Eric swings. Nash blocks the bat, takes the bat back into his own possession. And then starts to beat up the League of Exemplary White Dudes, a.k.a. the Lawyers. If you didn't know that he was beating up the Lawyers, don't worry. Tanae, while not really restating, does state the obvious by yelling, THE LAWYERS! Uh, Nash then picks up one of their Halliburton's baby and punts it. Okay. I gotta be honest, though. I think that probably hurt. Jarrett is now leaning up against the ropes, so Kevin Nash goes for the bat line clothesline. As Jarrett flips over, all of his casts start to fall off, and Jarrett sprints to the backstage area. It's a miracle! Yells the braid. Eh, I mean, it's... You know, I guess if he didn't yell it, I would have been disappointed, but I'm also disappointed because it's very obvious, but that's okay. That's kind of what you want in a segment like this. Nash has some parting shots for the chosen one. Hey, Jeff! Looks like I'll see you in Baltimore. It's back on! This was all a scam from the Chosen One, and Nash called him on it! Jeebus, Mike! I think we're aware! <sighs> well, that ends the opening interview. Backstage, General Rection has the Misfits in action fall in line. They do and line up. Rection's all like, Misfits, we're in the middle of a war, so you guys need to act like soldiers! Which means, no more oogling major guns. Lieutenant Loco decides to take his new catchphrase for another walk. Loco's been been testing his new catchphrase in the last couple of weeks. And so Loco looks at the other members of uh, Misfits in Action and says, Hey, 
You punks disobey the captain. <laughs> I'll kill you. And that is Loco's thing. If X, Y, Z, <laughs> I'll kill you. Try to use this in your everyday lexicon. Maybe you're at work. Hey, Thompson, if you don't get me those reports, <laughs> I'll kill you. Maybe. Actually, <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to take this gag any further. Um, it's a long and busy night for us tonight's Misfits in Action. It's our biggest mission yet. Meanwhile, we cut to a parking lot. Vince Russo and David Flair arrive, driving a minivan. Out of this minivan pop many old people. Like Grampies and Grammys. Like, I don't know how to describe it. I'm not being stereotypically mean. It's Grammys and Grampies. The Grampies all have on, like, windbreakers, long sleeve shirts, and full pants with hats on, even though it's July in Knoxville. Uh, one of the Grammys trips while getting out of the van. She doesn't tumble over or fall or anything, but the brain chimes in. Oh, a little tipsy. All right, you old bags, let's hop to it. Let's go. Let's go. Russo, of course, has on a cut-off Ric Flair t-shirt. David Flair, naturally, is wearing the event, or the sh shirt of the event he's about to wrestle on. He's got a Great American Bash shirt on. As we head to a commercial, we're back! And David Flair is backstage walking towards a door. Now, the door opens, and <laughs> David... Might be the best acting he's ever done. As soon as the door opens, he's, he pivots and does a full 180. Like, whoop, 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 just starts walking the other way. Because popping out of the door is his girlfriend, the current cruiserweight champion of WCW, Daphne. Daphne's all like, David, why haven't you called me? I've been busy all week. Now, come on. We got to go get ready for the party. We? Who's We? You and that ex-Hootis bimbo, Miss Peacock? David walks away. You jerk. Miss Peacock! I mean, is Daphne inadvertently promoting the WWE Network on Peacock? Or is she perhaps just a rabid fan of the board game Clue? Or I guess the movie Clue. I don't know. And there's no time to wonder about this because we head to a different room backstage uh, where there's just a curtain hanging for some reason. It's a fucking black curtain and two chairs. So, I don't know. If, if this is a room, the, de the debate is yours, okay? Uh, but it's Eric Bischoff sitting on a couch of a casting nature with Kimber me, Kimberly Page. Jarrett walks in. All right, Bischoff, what now? As a, Jeff, I, I don't know what to tell you. The whole thing was Russo's idea. Man, that was Russo's idea. Yes, Ernest the Cat Miller is here, and he's still repeating... Eric Bischoff. Everybody starts to talk at once. It's like, rubble, 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 rubble. Bischoff finally loses it, and he's like, eh, 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 everybody out. Just everybody leave. Yeah, get the hell out of here and take your ass on. Ernest, 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 e e you too. The cat's like, oh, but he leaves. But we all leave because we cut back to the arena. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not the first time this has happened, and it may not be the last. But it's time to get filthy, a dirty, a nasty. That's the way we like it. Startled. However, as the filthy curtain is draped in front of the filthy entranceway, 
the filthy animal's music, because it's thunder, is gone. It has been replaced with the fucking song from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. The, oh, things keep getting better. It's like, oh, things keep getting better. It's some sort of a thunder-based conspiracy. Why is the Filthy Animals song dubbed over only on Thunder? And this song, while fun, doesn't match the uh, the fucking nature of the animals at all. I don't get it. Oh, well. Now, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, it's time to educate ourselves. Webster's Dictionary defines the word irony as a state of affairs or an event that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects and is often amusing as a result. Kind of like this horn that's honking. Not because I wanted to, but because someone in the neighborhood of which I'm recording has decided to try to steal a car, I suppose. And it continues to beep, ruining my podcast and ruining the bit that I had expertly planned out. And it looks like the car has been stolen. How ironic that my well-laid-out bit was ruined by an errant car horde. All right, are we back? Are we back on track now? So, we've defined irony. We mentioned earlier uh, that Ernest the Cat Miller was still continuing to repeat the words of Eric Bischoff. And while he does it, and it's very entertaining, Mike Tenay says, and I quote, Hey, isn't the cat annoying? The way he repeats everything that Bischoff says, it's like he's a parrot. Bobby Heenan then chimes in, Yeah, that's really annoying, isn't it? Yes, it is, brain. Okay. Uh, Look, I don't know if Tanae's in on this joke. This could be some sort of self-aware humor where they're aware that Tanae's character is a restater. But I'm going to choose to believe that Tanae set himself up to get bitch slapped by Heated and Tony and doesn't get the joke. Uh, The Hip Hop Inferno, or Disco, like Cisco, is wearing a Washington football team jersey. And as he walks down the aisle, I do think the music definitely works with disco. All things keep getting better. <laughs> All right, so the filthy animals are in the filthy ring, and Conan has the filthy microphone. All right, all right, whoop de whoop jiggle what? All right, G.I. Jabroni, you and your band of R words, because yes, he says the R word. You guys come out here and you try to copy our stilo. You boys don't know how to rock, no camis. So you know what today, when you bring out Lieutenant Loco and Daphne's going to come out here with the Cruiserweight title. Well, Disco, after you gank her for the title, she really likes to scream so much. We're really going to give her something to scream about. So on the straight, yo, 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 let me speak on this. Speaky foreign language. I just copied what the closed caption said. A lot of words there went over my head directly, says Tony. Now, I hear the music of the cruiserweight champion of WCW, so here comes Daphne! Actually, strangely, the, the Misfits in Action are walking out. They've just played the wrong music. It appears that Lieutenant Loco will be the active combatant in this match, 
And joining us at the announce table will be MIA Escort, or MIA Escort, one of the filthy animals, Tigris. And I can't roll my udders like Tigris. So sorry. Now Daphne's here with Crowbar. Daphne's tank top reads, Me too. There's a joke there somewhere that someone more intelligent could make. She has a megaphone. Thank God it isn't working and amplifying her voice. Tony says that I'm blown away to discover that sitting here next to me is Tigress, the girlfriend of Rey Mysterio. Tigress speaks, but I can't hear her words. The bell rings, so here we go! Now, folks, here on WCW Must Die, we all know what the story is. I tell you what happens during the show, but during the matches, we try to figure out what the fuck has happened. So, in match number one, the Cruiserweight Gang Rules Triple Threat Match, Lieutenant Loco with... General Rection, Corporal Cajun, Private Stash, and Major Guns defeats Daphne with Crowbar, defeats Disco with Conan, the Juice, Ray Mysteric, and Tigress to become the new WCW Cruiserweight Champion via Bro-Nanigans. Hey, you know, as we're getting started with the match recap here, uh, you guys think that uh, Ray Mysteric invited Tigress to the Hall of Fame celebration? You think Tigress was sitting at ringside with uh, Mrs. Mysterio and uh, Milady Mysterio? What's her name? Aaliyah Mysterio? Uh, uh, you think that happened? Uh, probably not. Disco attacks early, and then there's a schoolboy on Daphne. It only gets a two count. Tony would like to hear from our guest and says, Tigress, you can dive in anytime you want. Death, my boy, Disco, taking care of business. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't do a tigress voice. Oh, Ray Ray, that's my boy. I love you, Ray Ray. Okay, maybe we should just keep uh, keep tigress uh, away from the microphones. Uh, Frank and Screamer delivered to Disco. No cover, though, as Daphne celebrates with the O'Doyle rules. Uh, Lieutenant Loco screams in Daphne's face. Daphne walks backward in fear and trips over Disco for the old Three Stooges. One, two, no. A side souplay by Lieutenant Loco. One, two, no, no, the filthy animals break up the cover. Crowbar runs into the ring. He takes tiny steps and goes, Aah! takes tiny steps towards the ropes and does a diving flip assault over the top onto the MIA. All of the misfits in action are down. What could possibly happen next? Ra 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 ra. Ra 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 ra. My God, that's Miss Hancock's music. Tigress is unamused. What is she doing here? Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I don't care that Miss Hancock is here. This is Tigress, uh, and I'm on Jeopardy. I'd like to get fools to start with the letter Q for two hundred, please. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is a uh, quintesson. Okay, fools to start with the letter Q for 400. That is a quiche. Uh, fools to start with the letter Q for 600. That is crispy weiss. Okay, fools to start with the letter Q for 800. Oh, it's a daily double, y'all. This is Tigress. Anywho, uh, Miss Hancock is here. Um, Tigress does say, what is she doing here? And Tony says, there's always room for Miss Hancock in any scenario. 
which is maybe the most Tony Schiavone thing ever in any scenario. Daphne confronts Ms. Peacock here on the ramp. Now, as Daphne and Ms. Peacock or Ms. Hancock are arguing, there is a fan in the aisleway that looks like a fat version of Sandman from EC... Well, I guess just Sandman from ECW. And this dude is in heaven because he's got himself a camera and a bona fide upskirt shot. You could tell the whole time he's debating like, oh man, you think I can take this picture and get away with it? You think anybody know if I take a look at Miss Hancock's skirt with my camera? Oh man. But hey, you know what? This match has been a little short on superstar power. So out comes Kimberly to add one more to the equation. Kimberly pushes Hancock into Daphne, then blows some kisses to the crowd. Now Major Guns confronts Kimberly, and Kimberly flees. Meanwhile, in the ring, the referee is desperately trying to figure out how to not look at what's going on in the ring. But what is going on in the ring is a gangland assault. <laughs> like, they have, that being the filthy animals, pronouns, pal. Like, Charles Robinson has his head outside the ropes looking at what's going on in the aisleway, which has not one goddamn thing to do with the match except that Daphne's out there. Uh, but inside the ring, all of the filthy animals, all of them. So, four men are making noises in the ring beating up fucking Lieutenant Loco. Uh, they have Lieutenant Loco down into the uh, Bronco Buster position. Ray hits... The Bronco Buster. Uh, Tigress lets us know the score. Yeah, baby, that's my poppy! But oh my, out of nowhere, G.I. Bro is here. He beats on Disco. Tony Schiavone yells, G.I. Bro has become a catalyst here. (laughs) What does that mean? Uh, G.I. Bro clears the ring and hits the bro end on to Disco. He puts Loco on Disco. One, two, three... Mike Tanay yells, he's a new champion! Just, you know, stating the obvious. The MIA join up in the ring and celebrate as if they've all won the Cruiserweight Championship. I think Tony even says, they're champions! (laughs) Lieutenant Loco, though, is still down from this beating he received from the Animals of Filth. And guess what happens? Of course, Major Guns pulls the bombs away! And rips off her shirt and gives Lieutenant Loco CPR, and it's still not funny. But I guess Lieutenant Loco is going to be okay. Tony puts a bow on it. What a moment here on TBS! <laughs> I can't with a straight face. Now, folks, we all know on WWE Must Die, I rank each match a little tongue-in-cheekly. But remember, the unique caveat of WWE Must Die is so. A five-star match in the Tokyo Dome is a five-star match in the Tokyo Dome. But here on WWE Must Die, you can reach five-star status. It's happened many times in the archives. But remember, it might not be the five stars you expect to see in the Tokyo Dome. (laughs) Forgot the word dome there. So, in that vein, I give this match four amphetamine with salt pills. Or Adderall to the common tongue. 
This is the best of bad WCW right here, with like 46 people involved in a match that ends horribly with a stupid finish, with poor Charles Robinson trying to figure out ways to not be aware that there's massive amounts of interference, even though the disqualification rule has been relaxed, so I don't know. I don't care. It's it's glory. This is 2000 WCW in a nutshell. You gotta see it. Backstage! Jonathan, you know, I was going to say backstage, Jonathan Majors apologizes for beating me to Tori Wilson, but didn't I just go into a whole spiel on the Ant-Man Quantumania episode about how I wasn't going to do that anymore? All right. So backstage, Jonathan Majors apologizes to Tori Wilson for being mean and getting all domestic-y on her. Oh, wait, no, it's actually Billy Kidman. Tori Wilson, however, does not apologizing for giving Billy the old Johnny Cage ball buster. Backstage again. And the cat, Ernest Miller, is pacing outside of Eric Bischoff's office. Russo is here. Hey, cat, what's up? Eric kicked me out of his office. Oh, you know what, bro? You gotta forgive Eric. This whole Goldberg thing, it's got him going a little crazy. But you know what, cat? You're valuable to me. You know what I mean? And you're valuable to him. You know, you're important to Eric. I know, me and him are just like this. I know, bro. And now, me and you are going to be just like this. Because I got something for me and you to get into, baby. Trust me. Follow me, cat. And we head to a commercial. But hey, it's the power of the future. We're back from commercial. And just moments ago, fans, while we were at commercial, Ernest the Cat Miller went out into the arena with a microphone. Listen up, you bunch of fools. I still got the power. Apparently, he's yelling at the misfits in action who are, who are still celebrating in the ring. The cat is angry that G.I. Bro and the M.I.A. interfered in this encounter. If you're not in a match, you shouldn't be out here. Oh! So that's the reason that the match was booked like a clusterfuck. It's so we could get this payoff to where the cat comes out as like the commissioner to enforce more in-tight rules for the rest of the show. Wow! It's like writing, bro. It's writing 101, bro. It's real simple. What would the character do? And see, that's the problem. These guys go out here on Rawls or SmackDown, and they go out there, and they have a match. And, bro, I got to tell you, I was backstage in the arena. And before these guys went out there, I heard them talking backstage about what they were going to do in the match. They were laying it out move by move, spot by spot. And you see what happens when they go out there, bro. The guys just spend the time trying to remember what happens next instead of acting like their character. It's all about characters, bro. USA, characters welcome, bro. Who do, you, who do you think gave USA the idea for that slogan, bro? Anywho, the cat adds some parting words before we head back to reality. Oh, y'all get your asses to the back before I send you down to the Waffle House to get a new job. We're back live via tape. And Major Stash, according to Tony. I guess he's a major now after being a private. Private dancer. Dancer for money. <laughs> Uh, he's in the ring all alone without his MIA accoutrement. Here comes his opponent, Billy Kidman, with Horse Hogan, dude. At least we get to hear Kidman's music. What's that? You don't remember his music? Well, why didn't you say so? Brown. <laughs> 
Kidman's making his entrance, we see highlights of the Nitro incident between the Kidster and Tori Wilson. Tanae wants to know, Tony, is this a domestic squabble between the two, or is this an out-and-out breakup? The Kidster has the microphone. Well, maybe you should listen. The brain tells tells Tanae, well, all right, that, that makes sense. The Kidster says, and I quote, I've been under pressure and snapped as simple as that, and hey, now... I know I can trust Horace. I'm four days away from retiring Hogan, and I've got a lot on my plate. So after I beat Private Stash here, Tori, we definitely need to talk. The bell rings, and ladies and gentlemen, match number two begins, and let me tell you, in this match, Kidman defeats Major, or Private, your choice, Stash, Via some Randy Savage cosplay. Uh-huh. Kidman, I don't like what you're doing. I understand you're feuding with the Hulkster, and now you're taking my moves. You got a lady like I had a lady. And Tori's no Elizabeth. All right, Elizabeth, just the first lady of wrestling. Tori's maybe, I don't know, the sixth or the seventh lady of wrestling. I don't know how many little ladies there have been. But you know Elizabeth. Uh, the Kidman, or the Kidman, the Kidster attacks from behind, but it doesn't help his case because Major Stash not only tosses Billy Kidman to the ground, but tosses Horse Hogan to the outside and starts to go to work on the Kidster. He hits a big spine buster, does a Major Stash, and then heads outside to ram Horace into the security railing. Now that both men, well, now that Stash and Horace are on the outside and Stash is distracted, who shows up but Rafenex? Oh no, it's actually Billy Kidman, but Kidman does run and hit a plancha from the ring to the outside. Shades of Ray Fenix. Uh Kidman goes back inside to distract the referee so Horace can beat up Private Stash, even though the rules are relaxed. And wait a minute, why is Horace allowed out? You know, I don't care. I don't care. It's fine. Stash is tossed inside. Kidman covers. One, two, no. Uh this is fun. The brain, that being Bobby the Brain Heenan, is trying to put over that things are getting crazy here in WCW and backstage everybody's bins on pins and needles all day. But he does a classic Bobby the Brain, like over-explaining and over-indulging. He's like, Tony, backstage, it's crazy. Everybody's been pins and needles. You know, there's lawyers here. And everybody in the airports is stopping me saying, what's going on with the Millionaire's Club? And in the restaurants, they're always asking me about WCW. And now the Goldberg's back. What's going to happen, Tony? Uh, the Kidster heads up top, but oh no, Major Stash follows. A superplex by the Stashster. Stash then looks into the crowd and does some hand movements. I think, as Tony Schiavone might say, that's the signal for his move. Horace steps inside the ring. Um, Billy Kidman holds referee Slick Johnson by the shirt, like really close, like he's going to kiss him. Just so Horace can give uh, Major Stash the Death Valley driver. But I mean, Slick Johnson can still hear an active wrestling encounter going on behind him, can't he? I don't know. The Death Valley driver is delivered sloppily and dangerously. It looks like it nearly crippled Major Stash. The Kidster heads up top and hits the aforementioned Macho Man elbow from the top for an easy one, two, three. I give this match one easily distracted referee. Kidman has the mic again and says, Tori, Tori, please come down here. Tori abides. And God help me, even though she's wearing the worst that the year 2000 has to offer, she still looks hot as fuck. 
Kidman says, hey, Tori, you know, we were always wondering what it would be like to make up after our first fight. <laughs> Will you want to do some making up tonight? Tori slaps the kidster poorly. I think we have our answer. <laughs> Just stating the obvious there, Mike. Brain chimes in, and four days, in just four days, he's got Hogan. What's going through his head? The man's soft as a grape now. Tapioca. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> After Brain says, Tapioca. Tanae, Hollywood Hogan, at the bash. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> backstage on a dance floor, like at a reception hall dance floor. Ernest the Cat Miller has all of Vince Russo's old people lined up. Now, the Cat's theme music is playing. Both his real theme music and the network tub. So it's like, I'm the greatest. Stop! It's like, it's, but also with the Ernest the Cat Miller, what's the bum bum I'm the greatest. Like, it's, it's a fucking mash up from hell the cat speaks and ladies and gentlemen please understand okay i i'm just doing my inflection in a performance as this character i love artist the cat miller's wcw character so this is done out of love and respect all right listen up people vince russo wants me to do something with you people i know you don't have much time left but i tell you i'm gonna teach your old ass i mean you good old people how to dance all you got to do is watch me. I'm the greatest dancer in the world. Now, come on, baby. Feel it. Feel it. You need to move. Come on. Now, the cat starts dancing in place. He's, like, swiveling his shoulders and kind of doing, like, a Jeff Jarrett strut maneuver. Now, most of the old people here on the old people dance floor follow suit. The cat's digging it. He says, there you go. Now, there is a great old guy in the front row that either is completely uninterested or perhaps because he's carrying a cane, just can't actually get down and boogie. But he looks kind of like Burgess Meredith, so that made me smile. Come on, faster, baby! The cat then yells for the music to stop and approaches an elderly woman standing in the middle of the group, looking very angry. The cat says, Listen up here, old lady, and then gets really soft as if he doesn't want the camera to hear it. It says, I will fight an old lady, okay? I'll do that. Now, I'm not sure why the cat confronts her, because I rewound this, and this lady was working it. She was going along with the dance. But maybe the cat was getting a little nervous because she was showing him up. Now, the old lady is wearing a denim jacket. Ladies and gentlemen, she takes off the denim jacket, spikes the camera, and says with all the confidence of a sports entertainer, I will knock that bleach right out of your hair. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm only trying to teach the dance. Oh, just calm down. The cat walks away. Man, old people just ain't what they used to be. Now, hit my music. Shake your booty, baby. And we head to a commercial as the cat and the old folks dance into the night and into our hearts. Oh, old people. You gotta love them. After the commercial break, we're back in the arena, and balloons start to fall from the sky. Ah, balloons, a patented staple of Vince Russo year 2000-based WCW celebration segments. Sure enough, it is Vince Russo and David Flair. 
And with them are the old dancing people. I guess they put him through that rigorous dance maneuvering class to, to get him limbered up to come out here into the ring and the wars of sports entertainment. Looks like there's also a cake in the ring, so I'm sure we all know what's going to happen. Flair's picture is on Thunder Vision and says, Good riddance. Mike Tanay wants to know, What's with the old codgers in the ring? They're kind of feisty, aren't they? David Flair has a microphone, so my ears perk up, because, you know, it's great listening to him talk. Now, David is saying things, ladies and gentlemen, and they might be important to the narrative of father versus son, but I can't be bothered to pay attention, because right behind him, Vince Russo is in the background picking up balloons and throwing them in the faces of the old people. It's glorious. One of the old ladies gets pissed and spikes one back in his face. (laughs) David continues to talk about Rick. And again, I don't care because more balloons just fell from the sky and the old people are distracted by this and they start picking them up and tossing them in the air. (laughs) Icing on the cake, no pun intended. The dude that's right behind Russo and David as they talk this segment looks like a dead ringer for Ted Turner. I mean, it might even be Ted Turner. I don't know. Uh, The gist of what David was saying, by the way, is basically, you see, Dad missed all my parties, so I'll see you at the Great American Bash. Woo! Russo speaks, you know, David, thank you for your words. For all people that are keeping score, Vince Russo is 2-0. Within one week, I pinned Reed Flair and Ric Flair. He beat the Flairs. Okay, you know what? I've cheated there because someone on commentary does say he beat the Flyers, but as you could tell, it was Bobby and not Tony or today, surprisingly. Um, Russo's all like, you know, I shouldn't even be here tonight because last night I suffered a severe concussion. Now, if you'll listen to that, last night, 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 night. Yes, Russo says last night, even though it's Wednesday night. Usually on Thunder, Ric Flair is the one that messes this up. The whole last night versus two nights ago, blah, blah, blah. But it is fitting, I suppose, that his nemesis would be the one to follow suit. But I'm going to allow it this time because Mr. Russo is concussed, so he may not know what he's saying. As Russo continues to list off his laundry list of injuries like torn ligaments, concussions, the old lady that's behind Russo looks very concerned. Old people really are just the heart of a nation. He then rips his shirt to expose his red, beaten chest. Because if you'll recall, he got the shit chopped out of him on Nitro. Look at this! You think that's a Hollywood makeup job? Huh? You think this isn't real? Vince Russo then grabs a wet towel that's somehow conveniently right there, and he rubs it all over his chest to prove that it is indeed not makeup that rubs off. But all this proves to me is that Russo planned to do this stunt, because why is there a wet towel? Could this perhaps be water-resistant makeup? Well, you know what, I hear somebody calling my name, like there's a conspiracy happening. Ah, uh, Vince Russo, what, how, do you want me to believe that Ric Flair really hit you in the chest? You'd be dead, Shivani. Anywho, um, yeah, I mean, I know it's not me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's a little convenient he's got that towel here. 
Uh, random old people alert. The Ted Turner guy now has his hand on his hip, and he's got a massive shit-eating grin like he's having the time of his life. Russo then tells all the old goats to shut up, or I'll beat every one of ya! So we're here to celebrate Ric Flair. That's why all his friends are here. So that one little throwaway explains all the old people that contribute so much to this episode. Russo then shifts gears with an awkward, Hey, hey, which one of you is passing the gas? You people stink! Well, they don't keep well in this weather, Tony. (laughs) He really says... Russo refocuses, though, and leads the elderly folks in a rendition of For he's a jolly good fellow, for he's a jolly good fellow. Even Ted Turner gets in on the singing. Now, suddenly, we cut to the aisleway where more old people are wheeling a giant, comically large fake cake down the aisle. What's the cake budget on this bad boy? But I think you know the cake I'm talking about. Like, uh, Miss July 89 could jump out of this thing for all you under siege fans. Bobby, upon noticing the elderly man struggling to push the cake, it's gonna take this guy six months to get to the ring, Tony. Wait a minute! Vince Russo sees the giant cake in the aisleway, and this cake is not of his design. Meaning, Russo didn't order this cake, so what's going on? Tony, upon getting a good view of the cake, says, Look at the size of that berth! Celebration cake. <laughs> he cuts himself off to say celebration cake. Just say birthday. Nobody cares. Nobody cares, Tony. Flair, I wasn't born yesterday, baby. Get your ass out of here. Get out of that cake. Russo then mounts the cake, like walks up the tiers of the cake like steps and rips open the top. And Shades of Winnie the Pooh puts half of his body inside and his his fucking feet are dangling and kicking like like you can hear him like, Come on, Flair, get out of here. I'm not stupid. I'm not a stupid guy. I know what the scoop is here, Flair. Well, meanwhile, his feet are kicking. <laughs> um, cue Ric Flair, by the way. He was hiding under the ring the entire time. He attacks David and then heads towards Russo, who's still halfway inside the cake. Flair yanks Russo down, and instead of just going to town on him, he lets Russo back slowly up towards the ring, so, you know, they can get back in the ring. Ah, Reed Fleer is here as well. Rick shoves Vince Russo into the actual cake while David just watches. Rick then attacks David, hits him in the dick. Uh, All the old people go to leave uh, while Russo is laid on the table full of cake. Russo sits up covered in cake, and you know what? Ted Turner, the lovely feller that he is, pats Russo on the back as he leaves the rig, as if to say, you'll get him next time, slugger. Bobby the Braid yells, don't touch that clicker! Tanay adds, the Great American Bash this Sunday is going to be just that! Great! Russo throws the remnants of the celebration cake into the crowd. Tony yells, he's celebrating with everybody. Bobby adds, hey, that's how Madden looks when he eats cake. Meanwhile, in the parking garage, a rental car arrives. Who emerges but the pit fighter, Tank Abbott, and Rick Steiner. As these two usually do when they emerge from a rental car, 
they get their luggage out of the trunk and head inside. Seriously, every time I get it's it's realism, bro. You gotta get your luggage out of everybody puts their luggage in the trunk, bro. Like I get it, but it is it happens every time. I don't know. Uh wait a minute though. What's that I see at the entrance of the parking garage? It is indeed Goldbergamus Prime, the Goldberg Monster Truck. Goldberg has turned into vehicle mode to get past the rules and regulations of his suspension, I suppose, as we head to a commercial. Backstage, as we're back, uh, Bischoff is on the phone. Now, what are you guys doing? Why aren't you here? You know, if Goldberg steps one foot inside, I want him arrested. Let's just get him arrested right now. Elsewhere in the backstage area, the Mama Luke's music starts to play. Now the music is played, and the Mama Luke's are just backstage looking at like a collection of memorabilia here in the Tennessee arena. And the music just continues to play. And it's interesting. I'm like, is this like a Mama Luke sketch? But no, it's a match. Because out of nowhere, the wall attacks with a vicious double clothesline. It's horrible looking. That comes more across as a double neck touch. Suddenly, a bell rings. I don't know what to write, though, yet. Tony Schiavone explains to us what's going on. Eric Bischoff, of course, beat Terry Funk with the help of the Mama Lukes to become the hardcore champion. And it turns out that off-camera, Eric Bischoff has awarded the hardcore championship to the Mama Lukes. But which one of them? Vito has the belt wrapped around his waist, but Tony wants to let us know that both of them are indeed the champ. Well, all right. And it seems like they're here to defend against the wall, whom Tony calls a new-look wall with dark hair and dark goatee. So, match number three for the WCW Hardcore Championship, the Mamelukes defeat the new-look wall with dark hair and dark goatee via... Ass franchising! The three men brawl backstage, and now they're near catering, I think. Big Vito runs in with a massive garbage can shot, and debris flies everywhere. That's the best catering has ever looked! Walking and punching now, for a long time. We wind up in the arena proper, and they continue to punch one another to the ring. Uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan calls the Mama Luke's Street guys! Can you, at home, use it in a sentence? Let me know on Twitter at the Johnny C what you came up with. In the ring, the wall is down. One, two, no. The Mamelukes whip the wall into the uh, fucking ropes, and they do a double hip toss into a slam. It looks very weird and awkward. One, two, no. The wall is up and hits his patented another brick in the wall clothesline. Hits the big boot to Veets and a choke slam to Johnny the Bull. The wall goes outside to get a table from under the ring. Bobby adds, oh, yes, his good luck table. The wall is going to the Great American Bash to fight the franchise in a tables match. So I suppose it would make sense to have the wall win the hardcore title here and have that match be for the gold at the bash, but what do I know? The table is set up on the inside. Vito goes up top. The wall goozles him. But wait! From behind, the franchise is here with a chair shot. The wall steps up on the turnbuckle for some reason. Oh, it's so the franchise could get in under him and get into the powerbomb position. Running Liger Bomb! Through the table. 
Big Vito adds the icing on the cake, no pun intended, with the frog splash. One, two, three. I, I don't know. I give it two hardcore champs, I guess. At least it's over. The wall is up, and the wall chases the franchise through the crowd. The Mamelukes celebrate victoriously on the ramp. But wait a minute! That's the pit fighter! It looks like Tank Abbott is here, and he punches both Mamelukes. He's in his patented Kmart shorts, so it looks like he might be here for a fight. And now, ladies and gentlemen, grab yourself a tasty beverage and just sit down, relax, if you weren't already, and buckle up for what might be one of my favorite little hidden gem segments that I've discovered here in the year 2000, WCW. So, <clears throat> Goldberg, Goldberg, wow, what an insult, what an insult to this man. Tank Abbott, as I mentioned, is here. He has a microphone, which should tell you we're already off to a fantastic start. Shut up! Goldberg, we're not done. We're far from done. <laughs> You know what, on Monday, you got lucky. That's the fight game. Everybody gets lucky once. I'm like, oh, Tank, are you here selling us a rematch for the Great American Bash? One we can pay for? One that might actually be a match? Fictional Goldberg chants rain down through the Tennessee arena. And oh, wait a minute. Uh... Tank says something, which makes me remember, yes, Tank already has a match at the pay-per-view. So, f- so much for that brilliant money-making idea. Hey, Big Papa Chump, when I see you at the American Bash... <laughs> yes, he called it the American Bash. In the asylum, adds Mike today. I'm going to make you my freak. Because I'm going to get crazy in the asylum. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shove your head up your backside. Tonight, I wanna fight somebody big. Somebody tough. Somebody sexy. We know somebody that's just like that! Tank wants himself some Kevin Dash. So, come on out and get some. No, no, he ain't coming. Hey, you guys look like a bunch of hillbilly idiots. Quite the pivot there from the tankster. Yeah, like that guy right over there. <laughs> look at that Goldberg. A big goof. We fade to black. Is this a Peacock commercial? No, it's something. Something's happening. And we're back and there's referees in the ring trying to get Tank Abbott to leave. So something happened. Hey, Where you at, Nash? I'm getting tired of sitting around. You know, I just might have to start beating up innocent victims again. Backstage, we see the Sexecutioner! Big Sexy Kevin Nash is here. He's sitting, with his legs crossed, relaxing, watching Take Abbott on a normal-sized TV, of course. You know, guys, uh, here's the thing. Uh, I was looking at the script... You wanted me to watch uh, Tank here in the backstage on the TV monitor? Uh, here's the thing, though, guys. I got it in my contract. Whenever I'm backstage, I got to be watching a big TV. You know? You're going to watch you gonna watch Pulp Fiction on a tiny TV? No. I can't show Rey Mysterio, Citizen Kane, on a small TV. 
You know, I was telling Ray all about Kane. You know, Orson Welles, Mercury Theater players. You know, how am I supposed to show Ray Mysterio, the genius of Citizen Kane, on small TV? No. No. We're watching on the big screen. Uh, Tank Abbott, ladies and gentlemen, mounts, or, you know, descends the solid steel steps outside the ring to walk around. Uh, he almost trips, by the way, making his exit. He walks and looks at the Tennessee faithful and says things like, Come on! You want some? Bring it! Where's Nash, huh? He then gets to the announce table, which has a really weird setup tonight. Like, the announce table is in the middle. Like, when you go on the the, uh, non-entrance side, usually the announce table is, like, to the side in its own little nook. Here, it's dead center on the opposite side. And there is a shit ton of empty space around the announcers. Like, a shit ton of wasted, wasted empty space. We'll have to pay attention to see if this comes up later, this empty space. But at this time in the co- in the show, this really stood out to me. And, speaking of standing out to me, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Schiavone is nowhere to be found at the announce table. Tank continues... You want some, you dumb idiot? I give you the beating of your life. Tank continues to walk around to the other side of the ring. Tank sees a youngster sitting at ringside all alone. It looks like he's found his victim. Tank gets a little close. You want some, punk? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I know who your daddy is. All of a sudden, Tanae chimes in with, for once, useful information. That's Tony Schiavone's son! Oh. My. God. Tank reaches his hand over the railing towards the youngster. Give me some of that popcorn, boy. Tanae continues. That's John Michael! (laughs) Pause. (laughs) Are you telling me that Tony Schiavone named his son John Michael? Tony Schiavone's son has two first names. <laughs> like George Michael from Arrested Development. <laughs> Can you see Tony sitting down John Michael on a day of his 18th birthday? Well, John Michael, your life as an adult is going to be hard out there in the real world. But remember, there's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> John Michael Schiavone, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> is wearing a t-shirt with a cartoon baseball on it. He's wearing a hat that I think has adorned on it the same cartoon baseball. John Michael Schiavone also has the face of a full-grown man. I don't know how to explain it. And speaking of full-grown men, ladies and gentlemen... John Michael Schiavone stands up for himself and tosses soda into the face of Tank Abbott. Mike today has a fucking orgasm. Oh! He just threw the soda in Tank's face! Just, you know, restating what just visually happened. John Michael, upon realizing the error of his ways... Flees into the deeper parts of the audience and into the waiting arms of Tony Schiavone, who's standing in the crowd in his patented blazer and white tennis shoes. 
Who will save John Michael and Tony Schiavone? The camera is still on Tank as the Wolfpack Howl penetrates the Tennessee Arena again. And just as we cut away, we see Tony Schiavone put his entire hand over John Michael Schiavone's face. I don't know why. We cut to Kevin Nash. Not running down the aisle to save a John Michael Schiavone, but casually walking, as is to be expected. He's also licking his fingers as if he had just enjoyed some delicious chip-based entertainment. Is it Dorita dust, Cheeto dust, or just the salt from regular potato chips? Bobby adds, Can you believe he went after Tony's 12-year-old son? Well, they are easier to beat up at 12. (laughs) Dynamite. Nash finally gets to the ring. He hits a standing knee driver. Punch, punch. A bell rings. Oh my God. Match number four. Tank Abbott versus Street Clothes Kevin Nash ended in a no contest when Vince Russo said to Kev, Kev, will you lose to Tank tonight? And Kevin Nash said, "Uh, Vince, uh, no, no. No, I don't think I will. The action continues as Kevin Nash unloads. Fists of Tarantino and Orson Welles by Kevin Nash. Suddenly, Rick Steiner is here. He immediately pats down Kevin Nash to confirm Nash's gender identity. He then strikes Kevin Nash in the back. The bell rings! So it's over. Um, I give this one fucking five John Michael... Five Shivani children. <laughs> Unbelievably amazing. Match of the fucking night. Segment of the universe. (laughs) Fuck segment of the year. Segment of the universe. Big Sexy fights back against this unbalanced equation. But the equation is balanced when Big Papa Pump arrives. How come John Michael didn't come to uh, Big uh, Dash's rescue? Do you think John Michael Schiavone and Reed Fleer could team up and take the tag team titles from the new blood? Would they be the newer blood? It's the newer blood! Mike Tanay, though, remembers that Tony Schiavone is gone from the announce booth and starts to act like he's the lead announcer. You will be able to run this Sunday in the asylum against Big Papa Pump! Because Tank Abbott runs away. Nash unbuttons his patented FUBU jersey... It makes the women here in Knoxville puke. Wait a minute. Eric Bischoff is here. You know, I'm getting tired of you two. Scott Steiner and Big Dopey. I'm getting tired of all your run-ins. So, Scotty, tonight you earned yourself a shot at the New Blood Gauntlet. You want to play? You get to play. And if Kevin there interferes even this much... You lose your shot at the title at the Great American Bash. And if Goldberg shows up, he'll be arrested on the spot. Mike Tanay demands justice. Tell me about the level playing field now, Heenan! Bobby, calmly, and after a beat, says, You're talking to me? (laughs) Ah, there you are, Braid. Thus ending the greatest segment in the history of our sport. Backstage, we see security cam footage. 
it appears that Goldberg, I don't know if it's Goldberg, because we never get close. It could be a stunt double. So we'll just say Goldberg is looking at a giant gate, like a giant garage door. This giant gate is barring entrance, excuse me, barring Goldberg's entrance to the arena proper. Can this giant gate stop him? No, no, it can't, because right next to the gate is a regular person sized door. Damn it. What a design flaw. Uh, Goldberg, rather than, you know, trying to open the door, just kicks it casually. Because, hey, if you break your leg, you break your leg. Uh, The door flies open. Tanay, still in charge of announcing duties, yells, We saw the truck earlier, but that's the man! We switch from various security cam to security cam and watch Goldberg walk through the bowels of the arena. Now he's in the parking garage as the brain pleads for ratings. Don't touch that clicker! Don't go to the fridge! Don't move off that couch! The man is here! We head to a commercial. We're back! And the cat is outside the arena, uh, voluntarily waving police cars into the area. You know, Ernest, this is Tennessee, so you might want to reconsider here. Cops emerge from their vehicles, guns, surprisingly not drawn on Ernest Miller. Get in here, man. Where you been? Goldberg is here. He ain't supposed to be here. You need to cut your donut break short and go get him. Do your job. What took you so long? The three police officers look at one another and then in unison say to Ernest the Cat Miller, Shut up! Are these cops, actual cops, or are they members of the Screen Actors Guild? Two of the cops walk away. One of these cops actually gets lines. So I hope he was added to the Screen Actors Guild. This copper gets right in Ernest the Cat Miller's face. Let me, and you know what? He really sounds like AJ Styles. Let me tell you something, Jack. I heard enough of you. You talk about attitude, son. I'll show you an attitude. You got that. There's the Tennessee cops I know and love. Question mark. Ernest backs off. Man, I'm just trying to help you. You people make me sick. The cat and the cops leave. An ambulance is here. Oh, no. Did Ted Turner guy die? I liked him. No! Emerging from the ambulance is their career killer, Mike Awesome, carrying a halo. You know, like the thing the canyon's been wearing? Yeah, I got a halo around my head. Corporal Cajun is waiting in the ring as Mike Awesome walks down the ramp. The bell rings. So, match number five. Mike Awesome defeats Corporal Cajun via disqualification. Really? We can't let Mike Awesome just pin Corporal Cajun. That's where we're at. Alright, fine. You know, I guess the match itself is pretty much just a glorified squash. Um, Most of the match is spent recapping Goldberg and Tony doing his serious voice and being like, it was quite an ordeal protecting John Michael from Tank Abbott. I had to go, you know, when Tank Abbott said he was going to find an innocent victim, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, of all the fans, there's one fan in the front row who I must protect. Awesome gets a table, sets it up inside the ring, sets up the Awesome Bomb on the Corporal. DDP emerges from the crowd and attacks Awesome. But Awesome turns the tables. I'll see myself out now. And, uh, you know, he, he Awesome bombs DDP through the table. 
not a big deal. Then he puts the Halo apparatus on DDP, and I will admit it looks kind of funny. Tony's all like, "Is this a sign of things to come for Sunday?" I'll give the match one grateful but panic-stricken Tony Schiavone. Backstage, another limo arrives. Well, who's not here yet? Nash is already here. <gasps> the gimmick's over because it's Hulk Hogan. Wait a minute. That's not Hulk Hogan. That's his stunt double. Hollywood Hulk Hogan, dude. Oh, my God, dude. This Hollywood. What's, what's going to happen next, brother? We head to a commercial, but we're back. And backstage, Eric Bischoff is on the casting couch. Kimber Me is sitting on the arm doing her makeup. The cops from earlier are here. Why did my voice squeal when I did that? The cops from earlier are here. Eric tells the cops to do their job and go arrest Goldberg. Kimberly's all like, hey, would anybody want to get me some espresso? Because I really like some coffee. And the cops are not paying attention to Eric because she has large breasts. Emergency. 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 Looks like it's time for a WCW Tag Team Championship match. And by the sound of the robot voice, it seems like G.I. Bro is going to be one of the participants. Is he tagging with his robot friend? Let me tell you a little story about my robot friend. He's good to compete. And he's emotion free. And he's computing his way to my heart. My robot friend. Soka. No, no. It's uh, it's just G.I. Bro tagging with Captain Rection. Major Guns is with them as well. And you know, why are these two getting a shot at the Tag Team Championship if they keep fucking with the new blood? Like, that doesn't make any sort of booking sense. Oh, but, that, but that's okay. I don't really care. Tony, on commentary, asks us to think about the emotional ride. The, the ride of emotions Eric Bischoff has been on tonight. I think I'm good, Tony, but I, I appreciate the offer, as always. Here come the perfect event. The current WCW Tag Team title holders, Perfection, Stasiak, and Chuck Palumbo. Stasiak with his smirking face, and Chuck with his patented Lex Flexer. Uh, the Brain tries to channel his old self because Tony's talking about the upcoming cities we're going to be in for Nitro. One of them is Billings, Montana, which granted deserves mockery. But the Brain's jokes just don't work this go-around. It makes me sad. I'm not going to perform them verbatim because it'll make you sad. I don't want to make you sad. I want to make you glad. Okay, Chad? And that rhymed. Match number six, the perfect event. Defeat G.I. Bro and Captain Rection to retain the WCW Tag Team Championship via... <clears throat> this must be... Boop! Boop! It'll make sense in the end, trust me. Rection and Stasiak start. The announcers are mostly talking about Hogan and Goldberg still. I do not blame them. Rection with a big clothesline from Fort Knox makes the cover. One, two, no. Double team now by the real American heroes. GI Bro covers. One, two, no. Hey, everybody, just signed for the Great American Bash, a boot camp match between GI Bro and Meat. It's last man standing. Come as you are. Those are the rules. General Rection is tagged in. Stasiak needs to make his own tag. But Palumbo comes in illegally and hits the fucking superkick party. Yeah, that's what it is. One, two, no. Hey, you guys remember in WCW Must Die episodes past how WCW Thunder would suddenly have the crowd go, Oh, when nothing was happening. That starts to happen a lot in this match. I wonder why. 
Palumbo is the legal man and hits another super kick party to general rection. Wait a minute! Out, out at ringside, Christopher Lloyd is here! Oh, Marty! Uh, wait a minute, no, it's not Christopher Lloyd. It's just an old guy in a full-on General Patton uniform that kind of looks like Doc Brown. Uh, complete with a fucking military helmet, by the way, like an old-timey helmet. It doesn't have the peace sign or cigarettes attached to it. It's like old-timey, World War II helmet. Uh, Danae with a dynamite drop-in. What is this, Senior Citizen Knight? This guy come off the bus with Russo? Mike, you should just be happy that fucking anyone is here. Tony adds, well, whomever he is, he's a three-star general. Uh, off the top rope clothesline by Perfection on to Captain, Captain Rection. One, two, no. Hey, and you know what? I just remembered as I was taking a note to this match, he's Captain Rection right now. He gets promoted to General Rection when G.I. Bro becomes Booker T again and G.I. Bro promotes him. So fuck you if you've been yelling at me for going back and forth. It's fucking stupid. But he is Captain Rection here. Um, more talk about the crazy old man at ringside. The brain chimes in. If anyone watching works in a nut house, you better go check the beds, because I think someone is missing. General Rection is your penis in peril. General Patton, on the outside, decides to, decides to cross the line, both literally and figuratively, as he mounts a security rail and then goes to stand behind Major Guns and stare at her ass. Major Guns freaks. Tanay has a hypothesis. You know, this old fella looks familiar. Hey, is that Tony? No. Oh. <laughs> okay, that was pretty funny. Because today's like, he looks familiar. Is that Tony? Oh, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> Wait, could it be? Is that? Well, it looks like Major Guns this, recognizes this old man now, but we haven't seen him in months. It's Pops! Captain Rection's dad. Pops. Yes, that's me. A souffle by Sean Stasiak. One, two, no. Chuck Palumbo is tagged in. Tony accidentally says, Palumbi, tagged in. <laughs> Palumbi, tagged in. Tanay immediately corrects him. You mean Palumbo? Palumbi. <laughs> uh, power slam by erection and Palumbi is down. Wait a minute, fans. As general erection crawls to make the hot tag, we've just been informed of two new matches that are signed for the Great American Bash. There's been like 14 weeks in between Slambury and the Bash, and we're just now signing these matches. Whatever. Uh, Tony promises to give us the announcement before we go off the air. I'll hold my breath. A tag to G.I. Bro, who's on fire, immediately strikes with the District of Columbia sidekick. Sidewalk slam to Palumbi. Rection is up top. Fly, fat ass, fly! A big press. One, two, no. Sean makes the save. Palumbi is still down, though, and General Rection goes up top for the moonsault. But no! Palumbi rolls out of the ring, and now Pops enters the ring. Palumbi back in, hits Rection with the Lex Flexor. One, two, he got him! I mean, it's fine. Uh, I'll give it one and a, uh, I'll give this match a one and a half star general. How's that? Post match, Chronic is here. Chronic, of course, embedded in a war with the perfect event. Brian Crush emerges from the back with Brian Baum, and Brian Crush is wearing a very tight, a very tight, a very sexual tiger print clubbing shirt. Oh, Brian Crush, look at you! 
Look at the tiger! You're tight like a tiger! You are the essence of the tiger! <laughs> Stop. Uh, they set Plumby up for the high times, and Tanay has the audacity to yell, I think it's high time! Then we see high time! They do the high times. Columbia's down. We head to commercial, and we're back with Ernest the Cat Miller waking his waking his way to the ring. He really has been the MVP thus far. Hmm. He takes the mic, and ladies and gentlemen, I perform for you now the soliloquy. Before we get started, I want you all you rednecks to sit your asses down and shut up before I close this place down. Now, before I kick this man ass, I'm gonna do a little dance for the bunch of you fat asses in here. Now I want everybody to hit my music and everybody watch me get it on, baby. Stop! The cat dances. He does the robot. Get down. Stop! He does the splits. Beautiful. Who would dare challenge this man? The lights in the arena go down. Oh no. It's Sting! Yes, Sting is here to do battle with the catster. Sting looks fired up and ready to go. He mounts the turnbuckle to pose. But wait a minute! A fire extinguisher is sprayed in his face. That's Vampiro! Ian is here! The cat leaves. Yay, he's safe. <laughs> Vamp beats on Sting. Tony Schiavone proclaims Vampiro is the master of mind games. Vamp tosses Sting into the buckle, backs up, sprints, and hits a Vampir Splash! Sting, dazed and confused, center ring. Vamp hits the Bat Death Drop! The crowd is screaming, even though they're just sitting there. Eh, something's amiss. Sting is then tossed outside in front of the announce table. Bobby the Brain Heenan bails, and uh-oh, Vampiro has a blowtorch. And now I see what we're doing here. Vamp is going to set the announce table on fire, and the uh, fucking fire marshal bells are like, Well, gentlemen, the commentary table has to be 500 feet away from civilians. <laughs> and that's why there's all that empty space. It all comes together, ladies and gentlemen, here on WW Must Die. Uh, Vamp covers the table in gasoline. Tony begs for help, like, please, if there's anyone in the back, help me. Chick Palumbi, are you there? Vamp turns on the blowtorch and, oh my god, the table's on fire! The table's on fire! However, in all actuality, it's just one little blip of the table that's on fire. It's a very wimpy fire, just like when Vampiro tried to set the ropes on fire. Back in the archives. Uh, immediately, like two seconds after the fire is lit, Sting has the fire extinguisher from earlier. He sprays both Vamp and the table. So the table is safe, and the fire was dreadful. Sting beats on Vampiro, but Vamp fights back, and Vamp chokeslams Sting onto the table. And ladies and gentlemen, the table absolutely does not break or give in any way, shape, and form and makes a very audible, sickening thud. Uh, Post-table chokeslam, Sting rolls off and Vamp just pushes the table over to show it who's boss. Like, you see that table? I'm Vampiro and Mommy says I'm in charge when she's not here. Vamp gets the house mic, mounts the stinger, and breathes into his ear. <laughs> hey, Sting, that was just wood that was burning. But Sunday, 
It's going to be your flesh. And we head to a commercial. We're back from commercial. We see a recap of the fire shenanigans. And we see that Sting has refused medical help backstage. The announcers are standing. They have a makeshift table. They give a hard sell for the Human Torch match. And when I say hard sell, I mean hard sell. Saying things like, A Human Torch match! Are you kidding me? There's going to be careers at stake! All right, fans, let's go up to Mean Gene, who's in the ring. Mean Gene is here, and he introduces what he says, perhaps for the final time, if he loses at the American Bash, Hollywood Hulk Hogan! Hollywood Hogan is here with the NWO theme. I'll admit, he looks really fucking good here. Uh, the Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea shit was way thin, and it's nice to see Hollywood in his full regalia with the drawn-on beard. Tony lets us know that he has gone from the persona of Hulk Hogan to Hollywood. Tanae adds, the personality pivot allows Hogan to be more dangerous and more ruthless. I mean, he was pretty ruthless as Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea. And do you really want to sit down and think about the weight of the statement that Tanae just made and what it implies in reality? Because I don't. Hogan plays the air guitar. It makes me smile. Mean Gene with his first question. Hollywood Hogan, how does it feel to be back in black? Well, first thing, Scott Hall taught me that, dude. Okay, I, I know I like to embellish things here on WWE Must Die, but that is verbatim what happened. Uh, brother, it feels so good to be bad again, dude. With the pay-per-view coming up Sunday with Kidman on the run, I just had to be black again, brother. Hulk Hogan appropriation. <laughs> you know, this whole new blood thing is pretty damn boring, brother. Rude. And as far as I'm concerned, now that Goldberg is in the house, Big Sexy's taking control, it was time for Hulk Hogan, or Hollywood Hogan, to clean up the trash around WCW. And this Sunday, Billy Kidman is going to be the supreme sacrifice. What about Horace Hogan? Hogan calls Billy Kidman the flea market champion that isn't even man enough to take care of that woman he's got. And Horace, you know, they say there's always one bad apple in the bunch, dude. But when the Hulkster beats Kidman, I'm going to go to the WCW title match at Bash at the Beach, brother. And I don't care if it's Captain Slapnuts or my buddy Big Sexy. I'm going to kick some ass, and I'm ready for Sunday. Hollywood poses. He rips his shirt. It's cute. Coming up next, the main event as Big Papa Pump and the Freaks run the gauntlet. And we head to commercial. We're back. Big Papa Pump is here with the Freaks walking down the aisle. Tony makes the emergency match announcements. Chronic and the Mamelukes in a number one contender match for the tag team titles. And Lieutenant Loco defends his newly won cruiserweight title against the Juice. Big Papa Pump and the Freaks emerge from the backstage area. Tony proclaims that Castrol's Great American Bash... It could be one of the most memorable nights in WCW. Could be. Could be. Could be. Big Papa Penis has the microphone. <clears throat> this always hurts. Eric Bischoff, you and I are no strangers. So you know not to get on my bad side. You want me to beat that new blood ass? I'll beat that new blood ass. But it's all said and done. I'm coming after you, now Tank Abbott. I got one favor to ask of you at the Great American Bash. Just stick some front teeth in so I have something to knock down your throat. Oh, yeah, adds today. 
Tony proclaims the match between Abbott and Steiner will be in the asylum, which is, quote, the circular cage with no door, no way to break free. Here comes Bischoff leading the new blood, and look, it's Chris Candido. Eric Bischoff sends in Candido first. Candido, ladies and gentlemen, walk sprints down the ramp. Seriously, I don't know how to explain it, but the whole time he's moving, I'm thinking... Remember, in this match, new blood gauntlet rules are in effect. You don't have to cover for the referee to pin unless you really want to. At least, according to Nitro. Here we go with the main event, match number seven. Scott Steiner and the new blood ran the gauntlet. And you know what? I'm not sure who won the damn thing, but I am sure at the end that Goldberg got arrested. Maybe. Candido starts punch, punch, punch. A German by Scott Steiner. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope those lawyers from earlier are still here and they've forgiven Kevin Nash because we cut backstage and Kevin Nash is watching the new Blood Gauntlet, but he is watching on a very tiny TV, thus breaking Nash's contractual agreements. I'm just saying. Uh, Candido goes up to the top rope. Uh, but Steiner runs up and gives him an overhead play. Steiner covers him. I don't know why he's taking the time to cover him when the ref can just count his shoulders down. But nonetheless, the pinfall gets the one, two, three. Stasiak is in right away. Stomp! 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 Scott stands up, belly to belly, covers. One, two, three. In next is Chuck Palumbi with the Lex Flexor. Or, as Tony says, he's got the item! He's got the item. I don't understand. <laughs> now, I don't know if Palumbi hits him with the item because we cut backstage to watch Nash watch the match. Kevin Nash stands up! But then he slowly sits back down. Big sexy, good move, says Tony, because, you know, if he interferes, he loses his shot. Meanwhile, back in the match, I don't know how it happened, thanks to the tiny TV, because I couldn't see anything, but Palumbi has Medeja in his arms, and she is flailing. Steiner goes down to one knee, hits a low blow, Palumbi is down, Palumbi is put in the Steiner recliner, Palumbi taps. The cat is back! And he's choking Scott Steiner with his red scarf, but it has no effect. As Steiner turns around, overhead soup play, puts cat in the Steiner recliner, and that's all she wrote for the cat. Awesome! Goes up top and hits a clothesline. The franchise is here now. Wait a minute. The New Blood are not following the gauntlet rules. Does it matter? It's three on one now as the cat's still here. Nash, in the backstage area, stands up. He turns his back to the door and starts to walk while continuing to look at the TV. Something really good must be on. He leaves the room. He turns. Oh, no! Jarrett with the acoustic equalizer smashes a guitar over large attractive. See you in Baltimore, big sexy. Tank Abbott is here, carrying a bag. Rick Steiner is here, carrying a bag. The bell is ringing. So I don't know if it's a DQ or if Steiner gave up. I just don't know. But I am giving the match three infinity gauntlets of a new blood nature. Post-match, Tank reveals his bag was actually a straight jacket. They put Scott Steiner in the straight jacket. Rick Steiner's bag, you guessed it. It's a body bag! Are the New Blood also members of Cobra Kai? 
Steiner is put into the body bag. What could possibly happen next? Oh my goodness. It's Goldberg! Yes, Goldberg is here. Not the truck Goldberg. Not Goldberg's stunt double. But the real Goldberg. The new blood attacks him. They circle around Bill and beat him down. Comically, at this moment, Tank Abbott and Rick Steiner pull the body bag out of the ring with Scott Steiner still inside. <laughs> uh, Bill does the thing where he stands up and everybody flies backwards like he's a superhero, like, you know, I don't know, Howard the Duck or something. Take your pick. Candido gets beeled to the outside like a bitch. The cat eats a fist. Franchise and Goldberg are all alone. Franchise flees, but oh no! Goldberg hits him and then does a military press lift and slam. Bischoff is back on stage and he's got an army of police officers with him and a microphone. Oh, Billy! Consider yourself under arrest. The police officers begin to walk to the ring, but oh no! Fans! Fans, we're out of time! We'll see you at the American Bash! And that is the end of Thunder. Woo! Well, the gauntlet was not nearly as good as it was on Nitro, but still a ridiculous way to end this show. I will say this. This Thunder was insane. Between the cake-based nonsense, Jarrett and his fucking outfit, the lawyers, and uh, fucking John Michael Schiavone... Um, surprisingly, it seemed a little tame compared to Thunders of the past, if you could possibly fucking believe it. But nonetheless, a top-notch effort from WCW. And now, the road to Castrol's American Bash is complete. And we'll be coming at you next time, folks, with a banner episode. WCW Must Die 20, the 20th anniversary of WCW Must Die, covering one of my favorite awful WCW shows of all time. Castrol's American Bash 2000. May I please have your attention please? May I please have your attention please? Featuring gems like that. Featuring uh, Mike Awesome. What are you going to go do against DDP in an ambulance match? Featuring the Thug Life, Tony. The Thug Life. And I think I'll leave the teasers there. Speaking of teasers though, I'm teasing you with all the great content that's here on the new TNN podcast feed. Listen to it. We did uh, Junkman, Ant-Man recently. Yikes. We also did the uh, Shawn Michaels 31st Anniversary Special, and we released a very special episode of Ringman, where we covered the WWF Superstars on USA Network that takes place not only as a debut on USA Network, but the day of mind games in your house. So enjoy it. Write a review and tell your buddies about it. I'm Johnny C. Winner is you. And remember, John Michael, there's always money in the